Come on, come on, come on. Pick up, pick up, pick up. Yes, Vince, you're on your way to GP Liverpool, right? Uh, yeah, um, I'm packing for it. Why? Can you do me a favor? No, 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 no way. Last time I did you a favor, Brian, I couldn't get the smell of fish out of my fingers for weeks. Please, please, will you get me a playset of Temple Gardens signed by Titus Luntner? He's one of my favorite Magic the Gathering artists, and I'm sure he's going to be at GP Liverpool and... Oh, Professor, I thought we agreed on this. The skits about the artist was over the top and in bad taste. I just love artist signatures. I thought this was supposed to be a bit where you called me and kept misnaming Assassin's Trophy as Ass Trophy, and I had to correct you. And it's just such a big driving force for getting casual players like me to GPs, I'm sorry, Magic Fests. Gosh, I sure hope you're not about to tell me that magic artists have died to removal. Professor, are you trying to be edgy. Well, duh. Why do you think I picked you as my new co-host, Pleasant F-Bomb Kenobi? You're using me, Brian. You're using me. Greetings, Planeswalkers, and welcome once again to Dies to Removal, the Magic the Gathering video podcast where Pleasant Kenobi and myself talk about all things Magic the Gathering. And with me, as always, is the Pleasant One, Kenobi. <laughs> How are you doing this week, Vince? I'm good, so I'm good. I am uh, tired from doing prep for the GP coming up. But I am raring to go, and I'm as British as ever, and also very pleasant, as you, as you said. Always pleasant. Nice pleasant. and calm and stress-free as always. <laughs> calm, cool yeah, demeanor. Course, yes, course. yes. And you're going to be at uh, which GP this week? So GP Liverpool, which is in the north of England. Um, four hours drive northward for me, uh, going up there with a couple of friends. So yeah, if this gets out on time, if you see this and you want to come say hello, do pop over, do say hello. I love to meet people who uh, enjoy the content and the stuff I put out because it makes the whole endeavour more worthwhile. So definitely come over, don't be shy, come say hello. And the same goes for me. I will simultaneously be at GP Portland, Oregon. Ah, and uh, I hope for anyone that's going to be attending that GP to come up and meet me. Before we get started, really quick, I'm really excited to announce that we have in the Talarian Community College Student Store Dies to Removal playmats featuring the awesome artwork that was designed for Dies to Removal and that you see in our opening sequence, those of you that are watching this on the YouTube channel. And you can pick up your very own Dies to Removal playmat as well as other TCC merch over at www.talariancommunitycollege.com forward slash store. We've got dies to removal playmats and more. So go check that out if you're interested. And we are up, by the way, I'm so excited, Vince, because we're up on iTunes. We are up oh, wow. on SoundCloud. I've got all these links in the video description. We're up on Stitcher. We're up on everything. We, we got That's up amazing. on the whole thing. We've already got a really healthy listening base and anyone wants to follow us on iTunes or leave a review on iTunes. That's also very helpful. Other than that, why don't we just dive right into it? We're gonna start uh, on the topic of modern or rather the state of modern. Yes. This is a interesting topic because people seem to be very unhappy with modern. I'm not convinced, though, that modern has really gone as much to hell as people think. But but what do you make of the state of modern before I offer my own super casual perspective? Uh, What's okay, your so super casual so perspective? Nice, I think we're going to have we're gonna have differing viewpoints on this, which is quite good, good. We've been, we've been painfully in agree, agree, um, agreement about a lot of things so far on, on the podcast, which is good to have conflicting opinions sometimes for discussion. Um, I am a naysayer, Brian. I think modern is degenerate. Degenerate? Um, it's yes, it's hyper-fast. Uh, the interaction isn't good enough to allow you to stop some of that degeneracy. It's like drag racing. Modern is drag racing. Um, and when it comes to being a competitive format, what competitive players play, or even the people you play against on Modo, or even people at your local FNM sometimes, people are just going to race to the finish, as it were. They're going to race to play decks that don't interact very much um, and sometimes fold to hateful cyborg cards. And that's not the most fun environment to play in. But in that's opinion. modern. You just described modern. Has modern ever not been like that? I think so. so. I mean, there were, there were periods in time when Jund was the top dog, and when Jund is the top dog, 
Um, for those that don't know, Jund is the, the, the main mid-range deck, the green, the green, black, and another colour deck, in this case red, deck that looks to interact with his opponent through hand disruption and removal. When that's the top dog, it means that the format's normally in a good place, in my opinion. Jund's, Jund is kind of like a good um, barometer. How long it has it been since Jund was one of the top dogs, or the top dog, would you say? Um, so we've got an interesting scenario right now, because it kind of doesn't <laughs> go with my point. That Jund has just come back into prominence a little bit. Um, oh. Uh, so, yeah, so Assassin's well, Trophy looks is like you're it. proving yourself wrong already. <laughs> you're doing Perhaps my job for me. You're doing my job for me. Please, uh, well, let me just be quiet and allow you to disprove yourself. <laughs> go on, Vince. Well, perhaps the format is improving. This is one of the points that I was going <laughs> to perhaps end on, but I guess we're already there already, weirdly. Uh, so we have a very short episode from Sounds of Things. Um, Blue, White, Control and Jund are kind of uh, rising to prominence a little bit and becoming top tier decks. Uh, but even then, I don't necessarily think that Jund has a good matchup against all these other... Um, in even humans and spirits, I guess, are interactive decks, but they do just like sort of just drag race to the finish strip, which is something that I've never really enjoyed. I like mid range attrition. Oh, and again, this might be personal preference. I like mid range attrition. I like playing games where there's lots of decision choices for both players and you interact with each other. But when you're playing Hardened Scales Affinity, KCI, Dredge, Storm, even humans and spirits to a lesser extent, you're just you're just spamming out your combo but doesn't the, doesn't doesn't the format self-correct yeah you are spamming out your combo and dredge does rise and people dislike playing against dredge although dredge players enjoy it and more power to them but then dredge rises and then guess what all of a sudden here comes and i'm sorry it's true merfolk is really good against dredge <laughs> is it it is actually merfolk is really good against dredge and merfolk keeps that deck in check and what happens is is that modern is a format where there is never one overwhelmingly dominant deck for long these decks do bubble gurgle up to the top to be like oh it's i mean it wasn't that long ago that it was just humans 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 and then before that it was tron 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 it's still kind of is humans okay still quite yes if you look at the if you look at i always go for if you look at mtg goldfish and you click on the metagame yeah, tab, right. you can look at like uh, percentage results and that's not always accurate because obviously a lot of people play modern that don't top eight for example that's the thing with modern i guess to an extent is that people will play what they want to play like you will always play merfolk even though it's quite a bad deck um <laughs> but beat stretch <laughs> beat stretch how does it beat dredge you're saying that but i don't get it how does it beat? well dredge? i'll tell you what why don't you pull up a dredge deck and i'll pull up my merfolk deck and we'll we'll do a stream i'll show you how yeah, it beats dredge I'm, I, I am i'm so i'm super up for that but the Dredge yes. v Merfolk uh, title, uh, title belt match. Belt match. Is, is modern, has modern become a turn three format then? Because modern is supposed to be, the modern Bible, as it were, is supposed to be that this is a turn four format. That was one of the justifications that they used for banning Splinter Twin, which we'll get to in a moment because we're talking bans and unbans, but not just yet. But has modern become a turn three format? Um, I think it has. Like, so, if I, what I understand from the mission statement of modern should be a turn four format was right. not that deck should always win on turn four. No. But that should be the fastest that they go off. Right. So, put it a good several turns behind some of the turn one and two combo decks of Legacy and Vintage, for example. But over time, decks have got more and more consistent and faster and faster because more and more cards are printed. Look at Hollow One. Hollow One didn't exist in any capacity, really, right. until very recently. Um, and there are decks that either they I literally love that kill deck. you. Oh, I love that deck. It's so much fun. It's a fun okay, deck. Yeah. Whew, I, I was scared you weren't being sarcastic then. And I was like, come on, boy. I, I'm that's not, not being fun. sarcastic. Hollowed One's a fun oh. deck. What? It's what? a lot of fun. Have you, you played it? You just like it? making four fours and five fives, don't you? That, that's your, that's yes. your bag. Yes, I'm all four for it. I'm all four for it's, it. it. It's another it's another RNG solitaire heavy deck that doesn't lead to interesting games of magic. That's, but that's... I, I don't think you like modern as a format because modern is a solitaire format for the most part. I, I played um, I played League of Jund uh, for the end of the stream. Yes, besides Jund, 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 Jund. We've heard enough about Jund. Yeah, no, no, I know. But even even my Jund versus Tron match was hugely interactive. But there was a match that I played um, Death and Taxes on stream versus um, Dredge, and I turned to a rip. And there's still 12 power in play before that rip comes down. All right, and, and anyway. The, and people in the comments section are like, what happened? I thought you ripped them. I'm like, no, look, look closely. There's a rip in play. It's just, <laughs> the, just the decks are that fast. Yes. And I don't think... And the thing is, so that annoys me from not only a play perspective of how I like to play Magic, but as a brewer. So, like, 
on my channel, I want to make stupid decks. I, I want to I want to flick a wisp siege rhinos. I want to try and cast Banefire with 37 mana dumped into it. Mm -hmm. I want to do all these fun and different things. And modern, modern used to feel like the format that I could do that in because it was so wide and so open. But over time, it's just got faster and faster to the point that actually now, brewing in modern is really difficult because right. you're just going to get turn three killed. Like Storm is probably one of the biggest offenders because... It got Burrell, which I still hold as a mistake from, from R&D. That card has been bad for every format it's ever been in bar standard. And that deck is so consistent now. It's wait, wait, Burrell was from Kaladesh block. To accuse R&D of making <laughs> a single mistake in Kaladesh block is just absurd. Go on. It's... I mean, it's why, you know, we talked about postmodern back in episode one. Right. It, it's why I do believe they will not put Kaladesh into postmodern. I do believe it will start with Ixalan block. Hmm. Was Ixalan the next one or was it Amonkhet? What was next? Amonkhet. Uh, Amonkhet. Yeah, they'll start that main care. Because as you said, as you sarcastically said, Kaladesh is full of mistakes. Yes. Issues, and Morale is definitely wrong. But it was fun. But it was fun. And that's oh, what I fun. think it comes oh, down to magic. is that modern is wrong. still fun. Modern is still, you're, it's it's not the format. Now, I get what you're saying about brewers. I totally agree with you that I wish, and I'm a big brewer supporter. Uh, I, I love seeing people brew. I want a format where people can pull out their, their binders and portfolios and start coming up with, with cool brews. And modern has not always been that. It's sometimes had these renaissance periods where it could be that but for the most part modern is the format where you have a, a large selection i think of decks and you pick your deck and you learn your deck in my case merfolk in your case jund whatever and no death and taxes Brian. Death and taxes. Don't watch my channel i don't watch your damn <laughs> channel uh, uh uh but go check out his vince's channel but anyway uh, this is a format where if you learn to play your deck really well you can actually overcome an opponent on a better deck who doesn't play it as well and that's what i like about modern and yeah there is a solitaire aspect to that there are moments of interactivity but what i do love about modern is even though it's not a brewer's paradise it is a, a deck owner's paradise where if you have an identity deck i am the death and taxes guy i'm the merfolk guy i am the affinity gal i am the infect gal uh that i am able to be so good at infect like is infect in the top five right now i don't believe so and so, no, no. but but there's people who will come out and they will ruin leagues with their infect because they are so on top of it. Before Dredge had this resurgence, the Dredge players would come out and ruin that league because they knew how to play their deck so well. And that's what I like well, about what's modern. Well, keep banning the wrong cards from Dredge, in my humble opinion, but that's well, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the bans in just a moment. And so I think that what we get with modern, and this is my philosophy on modern, modern gets an incredibly bad from pro players, grinders, people aspiring to that level because there is no best deck despite the prominence of decks that even humans can lose to merfolk which actually somebody just posted that to reddit going ha 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 my 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 budget merfolk list just took on a fully uh, 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 upgraded humans list or something to that equivalent was just top of Reddit and it's like this can happen in modern because that player knew his or her deck better than the other person sure, sure. And, so, and I think that's why pros hate it because they're not I've got, solving I've got a, a format to that. So, yes. so I, th I think you're saying about pros wanting to have the best deck as it were and you're saying but they that want to solve modern... the format. They want to. They want to. Yeah. They look at standard I mean, I, and they go, yeah, exactly. "Ah, yes, I'm using and my I hate, pro mind." I hate the idea of a best deck. Like, yeah. it bugs me so much, especially in Legacy. All, like Miracles being the best deck for years, I used to all say, "Well, it's not really. Otherwise, it would be able to beat everything." And it can't. I, I hate the term best deck, but I think you are right that modern allows you to have knowledge and leverage that knowledge to get ahead. Right. But I also think that modern reduces um, the in-game playing skill level. The, 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 the amount of um, leverage you can get out of uh, skillful decisions is less in modern because modern is dominated by linear decks that get hosed by hateful side sideboard cards. Mm -hmm. With with the comparison to other eternal formats like Legacy, for example, you've got things like Days and Force of Will and Wasteland, and even things like Him to Torok, for example, that are more they're, they're cards that allow you to disrupt or disable your opponent in a way that causes back and forth for decisions to be made. In modern, the decisions start with what you put in your sideboard and whether or not you mulligan to those cards. And that's kind of where it ends sometimes. Like, how many games of modern have you seen? It's not always the case, but they just lose to Rest in Peace. They just right. lose to Stony Silence. They right. just lose to Blood But isn't Moon. that their fault for playing that deck? Shouldn't shouldn't the push in modern be, then don't play a deck that loses to Rest in Peace? But players won't do that. Well, that's their own. Then they shouldn't complain about that they refuse to do that. 
But that's the thing. When you go into a tournament, you're playing against many, many people who are doing the same sort of thing. And a lot of decks that don't get hosed by those powerful... But that, those that's powerful why I long... don't play a deck that loses to Rest in Peace. So let me, let me give you an anecdote. I, like, like we know, I'm a merfolk player and I occasionally get mm -hmm. someone snickering going, yeah, okay, and then I'm going to turn three, choke you. Uh, uh, choke doesn't do anything to me. Boyle doesn't do anything to me because even though I'm on mono blue merfolk, I have built my deck in such a way that the hate cards that would otherwise completely shut down merfolk, like like Boyle and Choke, they don't have an effect on me because I've got Mutabolts, I've got and uh, I'm, uh, and I'm in uh, the same place as you are. Coast. I'm playing a deck that doesn't fold to one of these hateful cards, right. but at the same time we're both playing decks that are arguably not in that top tier and aren't powerful enough just to steam more people out of nowhere. Decks like Dredge and KCI sure. and Storm are decks that are putting up the results because they are just, I guess, more consistently powerful when they aren't randomly shut down by a single sideboard card. And obviously those cards all have counterplay around things like Thalias and Aetherwan Canonists and Stony Silences, of course. But they are so literally powerful and so... If the opponent doesn't draw the sideboard cards as well, you just get there. The percentages lean towards competitive players, right. players grinding events, playing those decks. And it makes for a very fu unfun environment, in my opinion. But I Is guess there what a you solution? Said... Oh, go on. Finish your thing, and then I <sighs> oh, want to ask. I was just going to say, because there's someone on Twitter recently, I'm really sorry I can't quote them who it was, but someone said not every format has to be for everyone. So perhaps right. modern is the format for competitive players to play their linear drag racing. I just, I feel it's a shame because I remember modern much more fondly than that and I've enjoyed it. And we're going to come to the answers. Like I remember when Split the Twin was legal in modern, I don't think we had this problem. I okay, think twin so 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 we're gonna we're gonna talk bans and unbans in modern, but I'm gonna open it with the question of can modern be fixed? Do you think that we'll start with bans? Do you think that proper bans or ongoing bannings can fix modern? We just had a, a BNR update, and it was. Everything is fine. No new changes. <laughs> the big floating Watsy head them. echoed among the halls. And people said, well, everything isn't fine. But what would you have... Would you have banned anything in modern? What I would you have banned in modern? And would that have been enough? It's a terrible slippery slope because in, in, the, in something you've already touched upon is that modern rewards people, and that's due to eternal formats in general, for having a deck and learning a deck. So the worst thing to do is you take a six-month sabbatical for magic... Uh, you come back and you find out that your Sentinel's Divining Top or right. your, your Gagari Grave Troll has been banned and you know, your deck doesn't really function the way it used to and you've got to relearn the deck or change deck as some people do. Right. So the problem you've got, I, and I understand, is that banning cards upsets people and pushes people out of the format and annoys people that eternal formats aren't doing what they're kind of designed to do. But at the same time, perhaps we could have a modern that evolves and changes through the bans and unbans, maybe shifting things. Let cards breathe a little bit. Allow birthing pods to be legal for six to twelve months, and then get rid of it again. That that sort of thing is something a I would rotating, love to see a rotating list of what is legal and illegal. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it allows an experiment. Everyone thought the sky was falling when they announced that Jason Bloodbraid Elf were getting unbanned, right? Myself included. I made Myself a very included. Exactly. I made a video going, this is going to kill modern. This is going to be a big problem. Jace is a problem. And then it really wasn't because the format was too fast for him. Right. Four mana spells don't do much in, in modern unless they end the game because the game is normally over by the time you cast them. Right. So, so I guess, yeah, a rotating idea to allow Splinter Twin off the list for six months, to allow Stoneforge off the list for six months, would allow us to really gauge whether or not those cards are as busted as people think they are. And I think a lot of them aren't. I think there's a lot of stuff on that list that probably could come up quite safely. Don't you think a lot of people would be irritated with a rotating list if then they say, okay, we're going to ban uh, uh, these key dredge cards so that dredge yes. is... Ba well, basically, yes. let's say they go, okay, we want to have six months with no dredge. And they literally, they don't just so ban don't one or two they cards. They ban, like they say, six dredge cards are banned. And so then all the dredge players go, well, I've got a dredge deck. I built it up. It's my favorite thing in the world. I've got these cards and now I've got six months eight months where I can't go down to a <laughs> I, GP. Exactly. I think that's an awful idea. I mean, I would love them to hold a gun to the back of Storm's head and pull the trigger because that deck is just, it's one of my least favorite decks in the whole format. And people make sure. jokes about it, but they want to, they want to pay donation leagues to make me play the, it's also, it, it, but but then simultaneously, Storm is also one of the more affordable decks that you it can is, put together. Which I love that. I love and, that exactly. Right. So I don't think they could ever. They could never just pull the trigger on a deck and say it's gone for eight months, twelve months, whatever. I think that's wrong. I think I, I'm more talking about the rotating issue to unban things temporarily. Sure. Well, so I, I think if they went, oh, we're gonna we're gonna neuter out a deck for twelve months. I think that's a horrible thing to do. I think allow decks to breathe and old cards to come back for a while. And if they are 
truly degenerate as things like Ayav Ugin would be, then they can put that genie back in the bottle. I mean, Ayav Ugin doesn't even need to come into this conversation because that's never coming back, but right. they could put the genie back in the bottle, couldn't they? Well, I, don't... I don't think they can ban out decks. That would be horrendous for the players that are bought in for it. But if they can't, if you're saying they can't ban out decks, if they can't ban out, like, and you're, it sounds like you're saying that, correct me if I'm wrong, if you had your druthers, you would not have banned anything in the last BNR update? In modern, um, what would you have banned? And the, I'm banned. The, the, okay, banned. so to go back to that question, there are some cards that you could ban to try and shake up the format and change things in the way that I'm talking about. Ancient Stirrings is one of them. It makes decks that people really don't like, like KCI and Tron, very consistent. Right. Um, so I think Ancient Stirrings is definitely one of them. And Fast Mana is something that people don't like, but again, it's not really causing that much of an issue. Mox Opal, I guess. Again, right. is KCI and Hardened Scales. Suspiciously, so that... suspiciously absent from Ultimate Masters was that Mox Opal. Exactly. So I thought Opal was for the and when they didn't ban it, I was like, oh boy, that card is going to get very expensive very quickly. But given, so I, I dread to think what that card's going to cost in six months' time. Given that, given that they printed Splinter Twin in, a master, in Modern Masters right before banning it, I would they actually did. say they the did. fact that Mox Opal is not an Ultimate Masters means it's safe. And the fact that the BNR update came out and it was safe, we actually should be worried about some of the cards in Ultimate Masters that are going to get banned in the next you're, PNR you're making update. It sound like, you're making it sound like Wizards have plans, uh, Brian, and right. they, they'll keep to their word and do the same sort of stuff. I mean, I, I wouldn't take anything they did with the last Masters to, and ban restricted to, to reflect on this one, if, if I'm honest, from what we just said before. But but yeah, yeah, it's weird that Opal was gone and that card's going to get expensive now. But again, I think unbannings, if I'm completely honest, I think right. unbannings... You said, allow... You said, your words were, modern can self-correct. Right? That, that's what you said. I or, said maybe. I said can it. I asked the okay, question. <laughs> Many so Magic the Gathering things... players asked the question, can modern self-correct? And I think it can. And I think there are cards on that ban list that can help do that. Like what? Okay, so basically the idea, and I've seen a lot of pros float this more and more, which is stop trying to ban our way into a corrected format and unban our way into a corrected mm -hmm. format, mm -hmm. which is that the modern ban list has far too much on it and that by restricting what we can play with, you are encouraging these degenerate decks and that if we had more options, then there'd be more abilities to keep decks in check, uh, to keep them in place. And it wouldn't mean that we're hating out Dredge or even KCI or Storm entirely, but we're keeping them from running so wild because there's there's enough diversity out there that they're going to get stopped I, I think it's got a lot of merit i admittedly was wrong about the jace the mind sculptor unban i was very uh frustrated about that i thought that this was a mistake one done out of greed and it turns out they actually they say they don't test for modern but it turns out they did test a little bit for that and and they said it's safe and uh so I think that unbannings might be the way to go. What would you unban? What's safe to unban? Not treasure so, cruise. No, no. So there's certain cards that need to stay there for, yes. for, forever. Dig through time, treasure cruise, right. Eye of Ugin. I played the format when all of those things were legal and it was just a joke. There are certain decks that were mar they were the best decks because they were just so good. Anything um, that messes so with mana, I think, should be banned. Anything that does like delve. It's like a fat. It, it it's generating mana that you shouldn't otherwise have. Yeah, Delve and Phyrexian mana are both very anything um, with Phyrexian mana. I think precarious tightropes. I think to... I think all Phyrexian mana should be banned. Period. That said, I think Dismember is a perfectly fine card that, that exists. I think Noxious Revival is a cool card that enables some interesting combos. Sure. And I think that and I think that Birthing Pod, as much as it limits future design space, they said that Siege Rhino obviously pushed that card over the edge. I don't think Birthing Pod is anywhere near as degenerate as some of the other stuff in the form, or any more degenerate than the other Are stuff you in the mad? Form. Birthing Pod no. absolutely needs to stay banned. Birthing Pod no, is no. insane. How is Birthing Pod any different to Dredge conflagrating their opponent to death and killing them with creeping chills? How's it any different well, to Well, that's magic, but it's uh... exactly so I, I think Birthing Pod is incredibly powerful and it would easily be one of the top decks and people will be annoyed about it but it's no different to getting Karned on turn three okay birthing pod is in the same camp and that's the reason i think twin should be off the list as well because twin twin's different twin, twin was was i know it's become a bit of a meme at this point <laughs> i know that yes that, that that the magic the circle jerking subreddit will go nuts with this but i'm sorry splinter twin did nothing wrong and splinter twin deserves to be unbanned and i think 
I believe that most of, of modern's problems today really can be traced back to the unfair uh, banning of Splinter Twin. They can deny it all they want. I will not believe them. I don't believe believe their denials. They banned it because they thought we are going to start banning things to shake up modern and change decks to yes, create yes. a pseudo-rotation. Because it's a Pro Tour format. That was why. Yeah. That was why they were doing it again. And now we're moving from, away from modern being a Pro Tour format. It's fine to let it stagnate, inverted commas, but it doesn't. There's new cards put in all the time there. Shift things up. But I, I am, we agree on that point. Even if you were playing Devil's Advocate earlier, that modern was fine because Murphy can beat Dredge. Splinter Twin does fix a lot of problems. It punishes the decks that don't want to interact. Right. If you don't have removal, the Twin's going to twin you. Right. And, uh, and the thing is, I don't think a lot of people didn't play with Twin are, are scared of it. Much like people were scared of Jace because we never had Jace in modern, so it's hard right. to really gauge it. But I, I remember playing against Twin, and if we go back to Jund again. I don't even like Jund that much, but I just think it's a good a good example of a fair deck. Jund has a hilariously good matchup against Twin, and has a very good time against Twin. And again, you then have top decks that are like rock paper scissors or, or a four way uh, version of that, and that's probably better than what we have right now. But why is Stone yeah, so think, Why is Stoneforge Mystic banned? What so is Stoneforge, Stoneforge Mystic <laughs> going to do? What is Stoneforge Mystic going to do that is so bad in comparison exactly. to to Tron, to KCI, to Dredge, to to you know to to even hollowed one so, like what is but, i don't what, what is it going to go for a batter skull like i don't get what stoneforge is going to do so so i make a lot of jokes on my channel about unbanning stoneforge and there are viewers that are going to laugh about this because there's a, there's right, a we, listen, listen, we've plugged your channel enough people get it all right <laughs> we get it I, i'm considering watching one of your videos okay Please, good, let's stick good. to the discussion yes, at hand. we got there got there i've been noticed i've been noticed by brian yes <laughs> So Stoneforge um, is a weird one because I meme about it a lot on my channel that it should it should be unbanned because the running joke is when you get trond on turn three and lose because of it, or you get stormed off on turn three sometimes and lose because of it, what like you said, what what harm could Stoneforge do in that sort of scenario? The problem that Stoneforge has, if I'm honest, and I wish I'd thought the whole running joke on my channel about twin, because twin is the card I do want off the list. Stoneforge does what they claim twin did. Stoneforge would make the white uh, non-combo decks homogenous. They would all become Stoneforge decks. Death and Taxes would try and shoehorn it in. It would be really bad. Abzan Deathblade, Jeskai Deathblade, Mardu Deathblade. All these decks would just play Stoneforge because it's so good. So they would do what Twin supposedly did to Blue-Red that I don't believe was actually true because they claimed that Twin hurt competitive diversity and hurt the range of Blue-Red decks that existed. So Stoneforge in a weird way, it's not too powerful. It's nothing compared to some of the stuff that happens. Kind of like I was joking about, but well, not joking. Like I was jovially saying about Birthing Pod, the Birthing Pod of WinCon. Um, that's probably better than Twin per se. But but Stoneforge would make all the white decks look the same. That might be a reason to keep it on the ban list. Because uh, we don't how want many blue that to red? Happen. What's the diversity of blue red decks currently? Just for for, for <laughs> pretty. <laughs> off the top of my head you've got a strictly speaking only blue red decks we've got an Arclight Phoenix decks which is wicked that's a new card it's coming cool. in that's made yep. a deck yep. exist and we've got Storm <laughs> cool there are so other good, decks good, good, good thing red, we don't have but... Splinter Twin getting rid of that that, that vast diversity and, and, the, and the funny thing is that would be the exact same thing that would happen if Twin was off the ban list tomorrow there'd be Storm there'd be Arclight Phoenix and there'd be Twin because when Twin existed there was Storm right. Delver when Treasure Cruise was around and Twin right. so it's, it's exactly the same. So the reasons they banned twins were absolute falsities. They're absolute gee, lies. Gee, Mr. Kenobi, it almost sounds like the reasons they gave for banning twin were disingenuous. Gosh, exactly. they wouldn't do that. I'm like, oh, Pro Tour's <laughs> around the corner. Oh, we better, oh yeah, competitive diversity, of course. Of I course. always hated, I always hated, I just got to say, I always hated that crap about uh, uh, we need to see the players playing with different decks because when you watch basketball, you're not seeing the players playing with different uh, mm. uh, balls. They're, they're playing with the same ball in the same court and the same setup but you watch to see those players and what they do with those things and you tune in to see the pros and what they do with those same decks where I mean, that's it's an interesting point so i i agree with you but i don't think the rest of the audience do because whenever i've the, seen the numbers the were through the roof mirror, the numbers were through of course the roof. of course but have you have you i guess it's maybe the vocal minority but just people in twitch chat get so mad when they see mirror matches or blue white i saw a blue white control mirror match last was the last proto proto before and people are just losing their minds. Oh, the no. This is so boring. Oh, so dear. Boring. I didn't realize Twitch chat got upset about something. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, maybe gosh. I shouldn't well, use Twitch that as Twitch chat example, got perhaps. upset about something. Well, that's definitely evidence in, in your corner because <laughs> Twitch chat is, when I think of Twitch chat, I think of supportive, intelligent, kind mm, mm. and fair in their criticisms so if they were somehow Look. becoming very upset about Look, Brian, who, who something are you like to a judge match who's, of who's magic whose opinion is more important okay right. twitch chat and magic players just like you and i 
Just because your subscriber account doesn't <laughs> like, make you like any you, more like you maybe, like you maybe. <laughs> no, Twitch chat is normally horrendous. But my point is, people, I do think the audience um, buy into some of those fallacies around. Oh, we don't want to see mirror matches. We don't want to see the same decks. And right. like you said, in reality, it's a does fallacy. That really fallacy is wrong. Yeah, exactly. I used to teach this. <laughs> so once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're keeping score, Vince, who began by disproving his own points, has continued whoa, to disprove whoa. his own points. And so far, it's Professor 3, Vince 0. No, no, no. I was agreeing with you. I was agreeing you were with what? you. I didn't know this was a debate with scores. So oh. I would have tried harder. Oh. But I was agreeing with you. And I was just saying that I think, although me, we may agree and have a similar point that we agree on, there are parts of the community that won't. And right. I guess... Other voices do matter. That said, I guess when a voice has ever really cared about vocal uproar from the community, but that's probably another topic for another time. Wow, I, 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 I'm going to have to apologize there. I'm just, I'm, I'm so un, unfamiliar and unaccustomed to the sound of someone agreeing with me that I didn't know what to do. I didn't even recognize that's what was happening. It was, it was so I, I apologize <laughs> there. And uh, let's move on to our third topic. Speaking of community outroar, uh, we've got quite a thing that happened. We made fun of it in oh, our opening yes. skit. And we debated talking about this because actually this is a sensitive issue and I don't want to make light of it on either end. I don't want to just demonize Channel Fireball. That's the easy thing to do. And I don't want to either have any aspect of like hand finger wagging at the artists who are involved in this boycott, but I do want to flesh it out. And so we have an artist boycott going on signed by a, a, a large number, but not all of uh, Magic the Gathering artists who are no longer going to be attending GPs or Magic Fests, which is what GPs are turning into due to the reasons that they have outlined here. And I just want to take a moment to go over a little bit of, of, of what their complaints are. The main complaint that was outlined in this letter is that artists feel that they are being treated more as vendors than as guests. And they offered for context a list of services that they were receiving at GPs just a few years ago. And this is literally just a few years ago before, by the way, Channel Fireball was given the monopoly in running all GPs. And that list includes paid flights, a paid hotel, a break room, a place to store their gear, which obviously has a lot of value, uh, large tables where they've been receiving uh, uh, a certain size of table and they now have to pay for the larger table, Thursday dinner with organizers, a Sunday group event with the event staff, and what they get today is that smaller table arrangement where they can pay for an upgrade option, and limited and unclear hotel sponsorship for some, meaning that some, but not all, will have some level of hotel reimbursement or, or rooms offered to them. And this is signed by a lot of names, and some people even pointed out, well, a few of these names were not necessarily regularly attending GPs, fine, but a lot of these names were attending GPs regularly, and more names were added to it later. And I think it is also fair to say that when you have a, this was a very bold move on the artist's part because they're risking, you know, potential uh, blowback from, if not Channel Fireball, certainly even possibly Wizards of the Coast. I don't think they do that, but there's that fear in the back of your mind that that could happen. And I would imagine a lot of artists I, I would, I'll bet my paycheck, in fact, that a lot of artists said, I support you, I agree with you, but I'm too scared of what repercussions might happen to me, either publicly or professionally, if I put my name on the list. So for those who put their name on the list, it, I, it, it certainly was not a, 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 a nothing thing to do. This was a big statement on their part, and I think it deserves a, 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 a fair look. And by fair, I do think that that means being fair to Channel Fireball as well. They made the statement, they didn't ask me anything on Reddit, and they revealed that they're not pro making any profit off of GPs currently. But, and I even reacted on Twitter to this, and then it was pointed out that they clarified this was Channel Fireball Events, which is a different organization yeah. than Channel Fireball, yeah. at least on paper, but it's Channel Fireball, and that turning a profit does not mean, and I really want everyone to wrap their head around this, turning a profit does not mean you're not making money. 
Those are two different mm -hmm. things. Turning a yeah. profit is very different than just making money. And that means that these GPs in Channel Fireball can be making money hand over fist, but that Channel Fireball events itself, the organization, the company that was formed to run these GPs when they got the exclusive contract, they're not making a profit. That doesn't mean Channel Fireball isn't benefiting or even getting a lot of, of money from this. In fact, some people even said, well, if Channel Fireball events is owned by Channel Fireball and they're not making a profit, there's a tax write-off and that tax write-off might be worth the loss uh, uh, of yeah, profit that they're say, having. There's you, all kinds of shenanigans. Tax at you at this point, because obviously companies, father companies tax and all sorts of stuff. So it's hard to say whether or not, even if Channel Fireball events aren't, if Channel Fireball are vending at these events, mm -hmm. selling cards, and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, yeah, it's... Um, I don't know how transparent that statement really is if you once you start to really unpack it. We, we it's it's this is I, I I think it's very fair to say that a business is capable of doing grossly complex things behind the scenes so that publicly it can appear one way in terms of finances, so that you can make a statement. Like, that was the thing about that statement where they said, well, we just want to let you guys know Channel Fireball Events has yet to turn a profit, and who knows what the next two years will bring, but just know that we're not making a profit now. And then you get that sympathy. And I even was, I was very sympathetic to that. And I, I made a few tweets off the cuff where I was like, well, gosh, they do deserve to, to, to make money off of this. It's a lot of, it is a lot of hard work. And I don't think it's fair for anyone to say it's not a lot of work to put on these, these conventions, but then you look at it and you're like, oh wait, they said Channel Fireball events. events. And then they I mean, said there's a, there's, turn there's a, a thing profit. Called, um, Holly are you familiar with Hollywood accounting, uh, Brian? I was born and raised in Los Angeles, so I have heard of it. Yeah, so so for those at home, just a really brief, super brief, and you can go away and look it up and you'll be amazed. A lot of films that are incredibly successful apparently make no money because right. you can write off so many expenses and so many tax issues and all sorts of stuff to make films apparently make no money and therefore not get taxed, even though they made millions or billions. So it's it's just the same sort of thing again. Hasn't Amazon can... not turned a profit yet and not, never paid? I know they've never paid their taxes, but hasn't Amazon <laughs> yeah. not turned a profit? Yeah. YouTube itself apparently makes no profit. Whether or not that's true because the outward costs of like, the servers right. or whether it's actually just a bit of Hollywood accounting is not clear because no one's seen them because obviously it's private affairs. But there's a lot of this sort of stuff, stuff going on. But... The whole, the, the bit I was going to talk about when you said about people putting their livelihood on the line and, you know, possible, not saying it would happen, but possible um, a back, backlash from Watsy is that we've got to a sad state of affairs where Jerry Thompson and artists have to do sort of this sort of activism as right. opposed to having an open and honest conversation with the companies involved. It kind of harks back to the conversation we had in the first episode around them putting the money into trying to get new eyes on the product by paying cosplayers who aren't even remotely involved with magic right they should be in channel fireball wizards of the coast all the companies involved should be trying their hardest to cultivate what already exists and open and that involves not only to recompense but also just open conversation because one of the things that really alarmed me about the whole conversation was we had um the man on the left came out um was it moshi Actually, yes. Yep. The, he came out with a statement at first, and it was a statement that was very badly received because it was a bit tone deaf and it was a bit like, here is what's happening. But when I looked at it quite a bit and I was talking to some people, I won't name any names, I was talking to some people, and they pointed out to me that actually um, the artist was saying there was not any recompense for hotels, or, or, although there was less, but Moshi's statement suggested that they had doubled the hotel recompense since last year. But instead of like drawing attention to that and opening that up for discussion, it was just literally brushed over, and then the conversation went back to discussing other parts. And I just, I just felt like there was a huge communication breakdown from both ends because people just weren't discussing uh, the bits that mattered. Uh, I want to actually break this down. So the first thing that really concerned me, though, is that there's a lot of items on this list that seem like no-brainers. That mm -hmm. if Channel Fireball is going to say we have no money. We can't do it. And we'll get into questioning how true that could be in a minute. But even so, some of the things they're asking for seem like no-brainers. For example, the table space. They're all being offered a table, and then they're being told that they can pay a, a, a minimal upgrade fee. There's no reason to charge. If, if, if another table can be added, there's no reason to charge the artist, period. Did you did you know that? So this is a related thing. I've been told recently again. I can't. I won't name names. Sounds really like shady, but I just don't want to drop anyone in it. You know, um, I was told by a vendor that the vending costs, the in at least in the UK, have gone up by forty percent since Channel Five took over. 
Uh, yeah. Big if true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big massive, if true. massive. That, that's another, that's, uh, I mean, anyone who, I'm sure we can get some vendors chiming in in the comments here about that, uh, but I, I'd like to stick to the artists. Uh, it's an, a completely different topic about whether or not vendors' fees have gone up. They have yet to make a, a stunt like this or anything. Uh, keep in mind that another thing someone pointed out, though, is that Channel Fireball doesn't have to pay to be a vendor at a GP because Channel mm -hmm. Fireball is running the event. And so they have, so whereas let's say I'm uh, uh, Cool Stuff Inc or Card Kingdom or, or or there's all these local, Dark Dark Sphere Comics wants to have a vendor booth or, or, or Anime Imports or, you know, just a local game store or, or, or someone on the up and coming, uh, 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 what's, you know, you know the names of these places uh, and, yeah. and they want to have a, a, a thing. It could cost them thousands if not thousands, more literally thousands it's, a, it's, it's to, to... right and so you're selling cards and you're making you know i mean you're you're obviously profiting off of the cards but uh uh it's not like a, you you sell a five dollar card that you paid 250 for you just made 250 and if it cost you five thousand for the booth then you've got a lot of money you need to generate just to break even and and then to start profiting and making some money that's a lot and then channel fireball comes in and they say well we can have a giant table and set up and we do not need to pay for it and we'll be at every gp not just one and since we didn't have to pay for that maybe we can have slightly lower prices because we don't need to make yes. as much yes ah or you have to compete with our lower prices and i guess that's good for the consumer to a degree but uh uh that is definitely a vendor issue that i think a lot of vendors are probably upset about and frustrated with and i'd be curious to hear from them but in terms oh, of artists and the tables there's no reason when if you're there and you go okay we've got space you can have a larger table you don't need to charge them forty dollars four dollars for that you give them the larger table all artists should have the same access so if if rk post who i know has huge selection of awesome tokens and 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 he's like i need four tables and such and you're going to be able to give him four tables you don't charge rk post for that he's a big draw and you don't charge anyone else for that if they need four that, tables that, that was the comparison i was making to the yeah. increase in price for the traders because they they are i guess treating them like like traders like um, vendors. vendors if they're making them pay for this extra table space because one of the things that um i was reading one of the artists had said was that um if they're trying to figure out what they're going to an event if the hotel and the table space and uh, even the flights are paid for there's no need to discuss or figure out whether it's going to be profitable for them. Right. They can just hit the weekend as a moment to go away and meet the community right. and treat it like a, like a community interaction. The moment those things are off the table and they're, they're going to cost them, then they have to start costing up whether or not it's cost effective to even do it because then it becomes a job and a, and a transaction. And that's where we lead to rising prices of, of artists um, asking for signatures and selling stuff. And they have to sell a set amount to make their money back. So they have to treat it like they are vendors which then changes their relationship with the community as well. No artist... So that's, that's why I mentioned it. No artist attending a GP should feel nervous, frustrated, upset, or afraid that they will lose money for attending that GP. In addition yeah. to the money, any artist attending that GP is losing money off off the ground, and you have to realize this, listeners and viewers, because they're not working. And when they take four to five days off, which you need for a GP because there's travel days as well. They've got a huge oh, yeah. amount of supply. That's a lot. We know as content creators, if I take five days off and, you know, I don't want to turn this into a, a creator attending GP thing, but when I, you know, <laughs> but it's true. when it's I true. attended GP Vegas, that lost me. I, 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 there were videos that I couldn't make because I was, I had to take four to five days off for that. And then there's also just, you know, I'm not with my family and stuff like that. And the artists are already doing that. And so in addition to that, if they're then going to have to pay for the larger table, pay for their flight, pay for shipping, all of that stuff. And they go, okay, I got to make $3,000 back before I make a dollar. And I already, I could have done another piece, which, you know, I would have been another 3000 or exactly. however I mean, I've, amount I've they get paid. I've seen players try and claim that they should treat this like holidays or communities, kind of like, like yeah, the no. way that I'm trying to treat the GP myself. But it's, that's not the case if you're losing so much money to do it. Right. That's not the case if you're losing so much money to do it. Yes. You can't treat it like a holiday. Right. It becomes a business transaction. So, so I want to break something down here. Uh, uh, how many artists... Now, I, I know it varies. We've had, I've been to a GP where there were only two artists present. It was a small GP, and I've been to Vegas where they have Artist Alley, and there's 20 
artists present, but ignoring those outliers, on average, at a GP, about how many artists might you expect to find, would you say? A, a, a European one, four, four, maybe five? All right. I'd say, you know, an American one, we can maybe up that and say it, it, it could be as high as uh, six you know, maybe even seven, depending on mm. it. We have some mm. small ones here. So let's say there's an average of five to six. Okay. Uh, uh, Channel Fireball has booked a hotel that they've gotten a block discount with that they're paying that, that anybody can get a room at. And I'm sure that Channel Fireball putting up their staff is getting, uh, you know, like at least a comparable block deal, if not possibly a, a slightly better one. Uh, a hotel, let's say, uh, and you're going to tell me what it is in Europe, but I'm going to say in most of these places, we're going to St. Louis, we're going to Las Vegas, we're going to, 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 to Portland. And I'm going to say on average at that block deal, what are you paying for a hotel room each night? Uh, an average what, of... For an, indi for an individual? For an individual. Um, can you basically 75 and 150 pounds, depending on what city you're staying in? Uh-huh. Could be... Yeah, yeah I, it, I, it I'd range, say it's but... probably that in dollars. I'd say it's 75 to 100 dollars out here. And again, there's going to be some cities where it's like, oh man, the hotel was way more than that. But Yeah, if but... You, GP Paris, for example. Sure, like the sure, sure. How We're talking generalities here. And, and I want to yeah. work from an American position uh, for a moment, and then we can sh jump it across the pond. But, yeah, but yeah. okay, you got five to six artists. Uh, they're staying... Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, or Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and leaving Sunday afternoon. I see some artists do that. So we're talking three nights. We're talking a hundred bucks a night. We're talking three hundred dollars for hotel, uh, maybe more. Now we're talking what five five artists? Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen. Let's round up. Let's be really generous. Channel Fireball's pulling their hair out right now and saying we're never going to have the professor at another event. Uh, uh, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but we got to we got to talk about this. And and uh, uh, so let's round up. Let's say. For five artists, for a GP, for hotels, let's say two grand. If mm -hmm. your GP is so in the red and Channel Fireball, or I'm sorry, Channel Fireball Events is so in the red that two grand is is unreasonable Sisyphean request of, of madness. Uh, we can't do it. That's crazy. That's this. That's that. For this, you got to be kidding me. I do not believe for a moment that that and even okay they're not making a profit then that could be by design first year startup costs whatever two grand extra a yeah. weekend so that every artist doesn't pay for their hotel i, I just yeah. don't see it i don't it's... i can't imagine that they're walking away and channel fireball events is patting its pocket like said, it's, and it's, going it's, it's we made th we got 13 dollars in our pocket after this weekend yeah. It's hard to believe. Oh, it's it's a horrendous sign for where Channel Fireball are going. Right. We're going to see them lose the contract and disappear down the drain. So I I, I would say it's more the former than the latter. There, I just think yeah, they, they must have those funds available. If not in the Channel Fireball events kitty, then right. Because uh, they could also they could always just stick you know endorse well, the Channel Fireball and have that company invite them if that's the one that needs to pocket the cost. Yeah, of or, I mean, or, I don't know, I'm going to be honest. Or, I'm going to say if it's so hard up that Channel Fireball is going to say Channel Fireball events cannot pay $2,000 so artists have hotel rooms, all artists attending uh, an event have hotel rooms, then they need to go to Wizards of the Coast and they need to say to Wizards of the Coast, we've got a big yeah. problem. For the GP this weekend, we cannot afford $2,000 for these artists. We need an emergency change of contract so that you give us $2,000. And and if Wizards of the Coast can't afford the 2000 then they go to Hasbro. But actually, which is I mean, the closest, point. two thousand dollars. Come on, it, for for a company that's making tens of millions, uh, not Channel I mean, Fireball. I don't know what Channel a, Fireball is making, but Wizards of the Coast. For God's sake, the artists should have a hotel room. I, I you know, and and okay, now now I want to be fair to Channel Fireball. Okay, before because I'm going to throw Channel Fireball a bone. Plane tickets are a different story. Plane tickets are very expensive. Even a cheap plane ticket in the U.S., you, you're gonna. I know actually, plane tickets I think can be cheaper in Europe sometimes than the U.S. Like to fly from Germany to to, to France or something. But in the yeah, U.S., yeah, very cheap. If I want to fly someone from Minnesota out to GP Portland, uh, a round trip for one person in the worst class, that even with Super Saver can be at least five, six hundred dollars. 
Mm-hmm. And, and if you're flying them from Europe, it's quite well, that's another not, thing. Or even New York like or, or New York or Florida or something like that. And I'm just talking about if we were going to say American artists at American GPs, Domestic, yeah. you know, British artists at British European artists at European you know, GPs. Uh, uh, but even so, suddenly you take that $600, $500, you times that by five uh, uh, artists, and and that's okay. Now we've gone we've 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 gone from two thousand to another ten to fifteen thousand dollars per event, and suddenly when I'm saying, and then you add the two thousand for that uh, uh, onto it, and now now we're saying, and let's be fair, now we're saying to fly those five artists, and some GPs have more than five domestically, and put them up in hotels. We're talking what fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars per week. That's suddenly a different. Yeah. I'm suddenly I'm not so indignant. Suddenly I think sure right sure. So, but I think yeah. I think one of the interesting points you raised that I haven't really considered before was how this needs to be a discussion perhaps between Channel Fireball and Woods of the Coast because Woods of the Coast already have work commitments for these people and contracts with them and agreements with them. Right. And they're the ones who've made one singular contract with Channel Fireball and allowed on a monopoly to form, which the uh, the um, the user base of the game were not happy with and still aren't happy with, and this is making them be more vocally unhappy with. Um, so perhaps, yeah, maybe Channel Fireball and Wizards need to be having a discussion around what they can do to fix this. Because I, I saw the stuff being shouted about on Twitter about let's let's charge an entry fee for everyone going into the GP because it's like a magic fest, like any sort of convention. That's not a solution because that's that's <sighs> it's it's a it's a band aid for the for the current problem, and I don't think it works currently until we get them to be actual magic fests. Because at the moment, it's a big tournament with side events. It really needs to feel like an actual convention where the artists right. are going to be there and enjoying themselves. At that point, when it's a real convention. And you can line up to you know, get signatures from people who don't feel that they're there as a business uh, proposition. Then sure, then you can start perhaps charging a small entry fee. But in its current format, you can't do that. It's just it's not going to fix anything. Right. And and if if you are going to transform, and this is where Wizards gets involved, and 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 I I hate to turn it all around on Wizards again, but here we go. If we are transforming <laughs> GPs into Magic Fests, where a Magic Fest is going to mean something, where a Magic Fest really is going to be a Festivus for the rest of us, and it really is going to be about not just the main event, but for everyone to come in. Well, what is that experience? Yes, that experience is side events, casual events, but it's also the people who are the guests of the fests. And that is first and foremost going to be artists. That is second going to be cosplayers. And we talked about this in episode one, but you know, most cosplayers get less than what artists get going out. Mm-hmm. A couple of them yeah, do, definitely. you know, like they, they do. And I, again, I don't want to stir up any things where it's going to be like, hey, I'm a cosp, someone's going to, one of my cosplay friends is going to be like, hey, Channel Fireball treats me well and, and you're you're screwing that up for me. I don't mean to do that. But I do know that the bulk, uh, the majority of those cosplayers, they're paying to ship their own costumes out and, and, and things like that. Or maybe they're not having to pay for a hotel room, but they are having to pay for the travel or whatever. And if you're gonna have magic fests, I can't pay, even if if I fly a cosplayer out and I pay for that cosplayer's hotel, I can't, that cosplayer can't pay for a new costume based off Mm -hmm. of a free flight. Like at a certain point, if a magic fest is every weekend, and every weekend it needs to be exploding with artists, cosplayers, and, you know, I'm going to bring ourselves into it, content creators. Like, I did yeah. a lot of channel... I was a guest at a lot of Channel Fireball events this past year, and I can never do that many again because it cost me too much money in missed work. And I don't mean to sound ungrateful. I had a great time, and I did it both to promote Popper and also to meet people. Like, I didn't want to go to GP Vegas. And Channel Fireball brought me to GP Vegas in exchange for bringing me out. That was kind of like... I was like, I would love to go to Brazil. I have fans in Brazil. I can't afford to fly to Brazil. I would love to. And they said, we'll fly you out to GP Brazil, which we want you at, but we do want you to come out to GP Vegas, which was, GP Vegas was like a $49 ticket. I was, I was, I was a drive away. <laughs> so like, and, and, and so that didn't cost them that much, but yeah, I thank them for flying me out to Brazil. That was very generous of them. Uh, but I, I'm going to do like, I mean, I, I, I can't afford to take four to five, four days off, three days off, five days off, you know, once a month next year. It was a, it was, it was becoming I, problematic. I, I mean, I've, I said to you before we start recording that I'm already stressed this week because I've only got two and a half days to get some content out and get things sorted with new tech. I've got new camera bits and things like that as well. Yeah. But um. What I was going to say was it's frustrating because it's not like conventions haven't already got pre-established sort of um, schemas they could steal from other 
communities or industries because right. these things already happen. They can already just just carbon copy, you know, um, Comic Con and other similar things like that. Obviously, not on the same scale, but how come they can't I'm, carbon copy what they were doing a year before the bloody? And and, and this is the thing I was going to say is I'm they I'm were already scared. giving this to artists. They were already giving artists everything. Yeah, so, so both Channel Fireball and Wizards seem to be cutting some corners and costs without a doubt but I'm also scared that Magic Fest means nothing I'm scared that in a year's time I'm going to go to my, my Magic Fest London for example which is on, slapped onto a Pro Tour right. I'm going to go there and it's just going to be a GP on the side of a Pro Tour of course. I'm, not, I'm going to look around and I'm going to be like well this is no different to what it was before apart from prices are still going up and the name has been changed slightly to something that people don't really like either and there's no change to it whatsoever, other than perhaps that they managed to move away from... I think the whole Magic Fest thing is probably to do with gambling. Grand Prix sounds more like gambling. They already have gambling issues in certain states and countries, don't they? Right. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be much of a festival. You're just going to have a, a, a bunch... You're just going to have a, a bunch of sad MFers... What? Well, it's a magic fest. Oh, magic you're gonna have fest. a bunch of, of sad. M you're gonna have a bunch of sad mfers. Yes, I, I will be a very sad mfer if yes. it's if it's exactly the same as my old GP. My point is, um, is that if you're gonna have a festivus, if you're gonna have a convention where the emphasis is on the people who you can go and meet, where you want cosplayers with exciting cosplays at every one. Now, if this was a once a year thing, the idea of we're gonna invite people out and we can't pay you and this and that, that's fine. But when it's every week and this is our business model, then you have to say we have to pay these people at a certain point or at least you know, make sure that they are, are the full-on guest treatment and acknowledge that, yeah, they're taking time off of work to be here. So at the very least, someone's going to be there to pick them up at the airport. Someone's And, and the other thing is that this list of, of things that they're talking about, what, a, a dinner on, on Thursday night? I, I guess for five you know, people and maybe their their assistant or, or, or husband or wife or, or, or partner or whatever, that, that gets a little expensive. But, you know, yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable to take them out to a welcome dinner to make them feel welcome. Uh, you read, there was an article, I'll link in the description uh, by, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, David Plumello, about how just poorly he felt in terms of the treatment and everything he listed doesn't cost a penny it was just in terms of how they spoke to that him how they coordinated with him how they they dropped him how how he was 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 treated overall and that he was just like well i don't want to be a part of this and so treating them well doesn't cost anything uh things like upgrades for tables is is not really uh, come on you know costing them anything a dinner yeah, someone yeah, picking yeah. them up at the airport or whatever that's a gesture that's that's not it and I don't think hotels are uh, are really that unreasonable unless the artists are demanding to stay at a place with a built-in jacuzzi tub in their hotel room and and like the birds you know of paradise you know being watered and stuff like that <laughs> like like uh, you know the motel eight or whatever the 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 the, the gulp and stop that that is across the street from all of these convention centers. Come on, for for five to six artists, you you can pick up the tab on that. Airplane tickets, that is reasonable. That that's very expensive. It sounds like this was paid for not too long ago. I don't understand how it was. Assuming it is true, I don't understand how that was paid for before the monopoly, but not after. I, I don't I don't get that. It, I mean, I'm very quiet throughout a lot of this, um, mainly because I just agree with everything you're yeah. saying. It's really hard. It's it's just it's I guess. The, what I'm trying to say is it's so obvious that the vast majority of people are going to feel the same way. They're going to say, why are things being cut back? Why are simple civilities being taken away in a, in a sense? And it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense other than perhaps corners being cut in terms of cost. But some of this stuff isn't even that expensive. And so, GPs have gone up astronomically in cost. Yeah, exactly. So I, I've defended publicly the, the cost of GPs going up before because I think people don't really appreciate how how the economy, especially in certain parts of Europe and things, have made GP centers cost a hell of a lot by comparison to what they did a few years ago. But also at the same time, they can't. I guess I guess they can. If it's a monopoly and people keep going, they can do what they want. <laughs> That's the problem. And I mean, I'm not going to vote with my wallet because it's it's a chance for me to go out and see fans. But we've got to this point where communication is so badly eroded that people are having to make basically unionized action to try and get anyone to take any notice, which is crazy. Yep. It's absolutely crazy. That's, that's the point we've got to. But. Well, if you'd like to 
hear more crazy things about uh, Magic the Gathering topics such as this, make sure to subscribe to this channel or follow us on. How do you like that transition? How do you like that transition? Good. Right there, the conversation winding down, so we're going right in. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Tunes, YouTunes, YouTunes. It's the new thing. It's, it's Vince and I have developed a new podcast software called That's YouTunes. This is. this is just a launching platform for YouTunes. YouTunes. It's the tunes you listen to. YouTunes. Uh, I'm bringing it out on my uh, orange, on my, my, my Valencia orange computer line. Valencia oranges. Mwah. Uh, yes. Are you feeling all right, Prof? You're right. I'm not feeling all right. I, I think it I was... I mean, when you, when you said that Merfolk beats Tredge easily, I thought you were uh, sounding a bit looper, <laughs> but now you've lost it. Now you've lost it. But yes, we are up on all the platforms for you to listen to us, and if you're listening to us, know that uh, we are on YouTube as well, on Tolarian Community College, and if you enjoy Vince, uh, I think he completely failed to plug his channel at all this episode, so make sure you go onto YouTube. I'm linking it in the description here, uh, and check out Pleasant Kenobi on YouTube. What do you do on your YouTube channel? And also, right. you're on Twitch as well. You just had a yes, charity yes. stream. Let me explain, Brian. Let me explain. You've it's, had your, your soapbox for far too long, take Brian. Take as on much now. time as you want. Everyone has already <laughs> turned off the podcast. I, I we know. Ended. We've hit the it's, point that everyone's turned off anyway. Everyone's turned I'm, it off. So, so, so please, now that nobody is listening, tell us about uh, what your hard work and what you do. Right. I'm Vince, also known as Pleasant Kenobi on the internet. And I am on Twitch. I am on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, but mainly YouTube and Twitch. I stream, I did a 24-hour charity stream on the weekend. That'll be up as a VOD very soon. I play uh, Legacy, Modern, uh, all sorts of Cube, Commander, lots of Commander and stuff as well. Um, and more and more content will go up soon because I've just gone full-time. I've just started living the dream that Brian has been reveling in, rolling around in for the last couple of years. So I'm joining him. No stress at all. It's all, it's all clouds and puppies from here on out as I become a full-time content creator. So yeah, Pleasant Kenobi on YouTube and Twitch are the main places to find me. All right, and until next time, just remember, if your opponent has a... That's a really stupid... I'm not doing that. All right, hang on one. Two. <laughs> that is so stupid. I am not doing that. Uh, all right, and so until next time, we will see... God damn it. I need a good... Are you sure you're right, Brian? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, Do you want man. me to sign us off? Do you want me to sign us off? All right, sign us off. Okay, and until next time, bye-bye. That's it?